0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co hosts with me today. First up, he's a shaman columnist. He's also a lore aficionado. Two, two great things in one, and that would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Hey, everybody. I learned that it's not pronounced mag-
1: Magatha, it's Magatha. Magatha? Thanks, Thanks Blizzard. Really? Yeah, that that is how they pronounce it in the game. After la- after our last discussion, uh, I went and did all the questing and everything like that, and she calls herself Magatha.
0: Magatha,
1: not Magatha, Magatha. Yeah, I think
0: everybody's been calling her Magatha for years.
1: Oh yeah, years. I'm Absolute wondering if years.
0: that's like a voice. It's because it's act- Agatha.
2: It's Agatha with an M in the front of it. Of course, we yeah, call her Magatha. Yeah, yeah, so
0: we call her Magatha. But Magasa. now you've all learned
1: something today, both of you and our <laughs> listeners at home. So yeah, you can say today is a good day.
0: Okay. The more you know. Speaking of which, we've got our other second lore-focused writer from Blizzard Watch with us today, and that would be Matt Rossi, who knows a lot. Hey, Rossi.
2: Hello. I I found out that they gave Darius Crowley a new voice actor. Did they? If you do the uh, broken short thing to get Darius as your follower, if you're an Alliance warrior, oh. when you get him, he's got a new voice actor. <gasps> I don't know if they retroactively went back and replaced his old the old actor on the Gilneas stuff, but he's got a new one on the
0: Broken Shore. Does he sound better or worse? Because I liked his old VA very much. Yeah, but his old VA sorta of sounded hoarse. A little. You know what I mean? And yeah. this guy
2: doesn't. This guy's very much just, you know, oh, let's murder everything. Okay. He's he's a it's a I don't know if it's better or worse. It's definitely different. It took me off guard. Um, I
0: am going to have to go look this up then, because yeah, I liked Crowley. He was one of my favorites.
2: What's really interesting about this quest too is um, it—it's really strange. <laughs> I don't. We're not going to talk about it this week, but it, at some point, I want to talk about these follower quests because it's—it's bizarre.
1: Um, I really want to talk about the follower quest too because I got a lot of weird stuff to talk about for mine as well.
2: Yeah, but for now... Mine really wasn't that weird. <laughs> you know, mine's pretty strange. It's it's up there. I don't know if it's as strange as having uh, Magatha show up, but it was pretty bizarre. I haven't done a Horde one yet. I just got a, a Horde... I have two Horde Warriors at 100. I haven't leveled either into 110 yet.
0: And mine... I should probably
2: do that just so I can see what a is all about.
0: Yeah, mine I went and found Lillian Voss and she's part of my crew now. Um, but there was like... I don't know. It just, it didn't really feel like there was, it wasn't too out there, oh my gosh, huh? What's going on? Or anything like that. Except that she didn't mention anything about what went down in Stratholm. And I didn't think that she was a rogue, but I guess she is. So. Well, I mean,
1: she did backstab in Stratholm. Like, she was just like, hi, stab in the back. She did, but
0: at the same time when she was a Scarlet Crusade person, obviously she was like a paladin or whatever. Anyway, we're getting off track here. So that's not what we're here to talk about this time around. What we're here to talk about this time around is that the latest leg of the story quest for Out There on the Broken Shores has been released. And if you're a Horde player, you miss it entirely. If you're an Alliance player, you get a lot. And um, the reason for that is that the the story part, the story-heavy part of this particular quest chain, involves Anduin Wren. And Anduin finally, you know, getting to do something about the fact that his father died, which is one of those things that I've been kind of low-key waiting on since it happened. I mean, you didn't see anything. You didn't see anything reflected in game about Anduin, like Anduin's reactions or what he's thinking about or anything like that. Um, this time around you do and and you take a little journey and at the end of that journey there's a cinematic that plays and it's a very good cinematic. Um, and we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. But I kind of want to talk about Anwin in general because here's this kid and he's not a kid anymore. He's every bit as adult as his father was when he took the throne way back when. But Actually his- he's older, isn't he? No, Varian was 18. Anduin, I think, is 17, 18, somewhere in there. Um, He's only 18 at this point? I thought he was older than I thought he was at least 20. No, no. He is, I want to say he's like 17, 18. I think he's... That kid has taken a very long time to get there. He's taken a very long time to get there, yes, but, but canonically... He's like, I want to say he's 17 going on 18 or he just turned 18. I don't remember which. I know that Varian was crowned when he when he was 18, when he turned 18, he became king. So it's pretty much we're dealing with the same age range here, but we're dealing with two vastly, vastly, vastly different people, which is weird because it's father and son. Um, Anduin's life started out really weird, and it started out a lot differently than Varian's did, because Varian was born to a pair of parents who loved him to bits and raised him and everything kind of fell apart when the orcs came through the Dark Portal. Um, And Varian was cognizant and saw everything that went down when the orcs came through the Dark Portal. Varian saw his father murdered right in front of him when he was just a young boy, right before they fled Stormwind because the orcs won basically the orcs won at the end of the first war so in contrast Anduin was just a baby when the riots hit in Stormwind and his mother was killed and Varian was left with a baby and no wife and Varian slipped into a depression and basically let other people raise a which is, I mean, you know, you give your kid over to the nanny or whatever if mom is not there. I guess I don't know, but Varian kind of went into this whole dark funk thing where he didn't even really acknowledge anything going on for the longest time. So Andwin, Andwin's life, like as a child, was kind of isolated, wouldn't you say? I mean, I don't know
2: if I'd say isolated. I'd say crappy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah Isolated. Died, you know, isolated. I think is the wrong word. Yeah, I think you know. Basically, we we know that Bolvar took an interest in him. Yeah. And, you know, was there kind of as a surrogate father. when both, I shouldn't
0: say isolated. When... I should say removed from that whole father figure. Like, Varian wasn't yeah. really a presence when he was really little. It's kind of weird because both Varian and
2: Anduin have the experience of growing up with people who aren't their actual father doing the job. Like, in, you yeah. know, Varian grew up with Anduin Lothar doing it and then Terranus to some degree. And uh, you know, Anduin grew up with with Bolvar doing it. Bolvar stepped in and basically said, you know, okay, uh, here's what you need to 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 be a king. And even before Varian vanished, you know, Bolvar was kind of doing that job. And and Varian acknowledged this. Like when 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 Bolvar died, Varian was like, you know, this man was there for my son when I wasn't. So there's a uh, there's that. It's they have that in common. They they kind of have the same ideal of. I don't know. The way to look, I look at it, is that Anduin basically went the opposite direction from Varian, and that Varian learned that he had to be, he wasn't going to ever be a king who got to rule just in a throne room and be a diplomat. That wasn't Varian's upbringing. Varian grew up during the Second War. Like you know, he he went from a ten-year-old who'd lived an idyllic life to you know growing up through the Second War, by the time he sat on his throne, Stormwind had been destroyed, the hordes had been pushed back. He'd had to like make decisions, like you know, at eighteen he's having to make decisions. Should we wipe out this entire race of people, or should we keep them in camps? Should we build a fortress down in in uh the the blasted lands? Not the blasted lands. Oh God, I can't remember the broken. Which one is the one with the uh, dark portals? At the blasted lands?
0: Yeah, that's blasted lands. Yep, blasted lands. Yeah, yeah. so Another guard to, keep.
2: You know, he had to decide with an, on that one. He had to face off against Gen and uh, you know d- you know Thoras Trollbane. Like both of them were it, it's we don't remember this. Young Varian, like Varian at eighteen, had to sit there and tell Gen Grame, No, we're not doing this. We're doing we're going with Terranus' plan. I back him.
0: And keep and, in mind though that, you know, as far as Azeroth is concerned, if you're eighteen, you're an adult. Yeah, you're but pretty much still, capable of making decisions, that kind of thing. Still, you're you still know, young, just, yes, but you're you're considered an adult by all Yeah, but
2: all I'm saying is that, you know, he he basically they both had a similar situation where they hit the th- the ground running so to speak where they they're thrown in like you know by the way you're king uh, here you go but Anduin I, basically has always been much more of a diplomat he's been he's a i don't want to say a people
1: person but he's better at dealing with people than his father was it, it's almost like whether well, whether well, definitely analogous uh, as far as like the events that formed their well formative years i guess that the, that they lived through they definitely have a, a bunch of tragedy it it almost seems though like varian had to deal with defeat and what that what came with that more than anduin did and i think that i want uh, to like say, shaped shaped the perception because anduin's far more optimistic than than varian ever was
0: i want to say that the the main difference between the two is that Varian was almost a product of the violence that he witnessed when he was a child, whereas Anduin not isolated, but sheltered I think maybe is a better word Anduin was kind of a little sheltered he wasn't, you get the sense that even before Varian got kidnapped and all this other stuff went on that Anduin was kind of kept under close watch right? He wasn't exactly oh, yeah. allowed to run around and do whatever so you get the
2: sense that you get you definitely that's a point because you definitely get the sense that after tiffin died yeah that in varian's few moments of like you know well first off we're, we're making it sound like he just went to a depression he didn't he was under mystical attack from a dragon uh that's that's what was happening to varian at the time Anixia was straight up trying to control him
0: she was trying to control him but the fact that his wife died yeah didn't no that helped them out it made it easier for Anixia to yeah. do what she was doing
2: but I'm just saying, it wasn't just he was moping. It was, you know, yeah. serious stuff was going on. And it, I remember, I, I'm kind of using the comic book here, and who knows anymore with that. But there's a point where he even says, you know, the few moments I had where I felt human again were when I was with my son. And I thought, right. you know, he, he reminded me of my wife. And, and
0: eventually... You, you, as you get the
2: sense, yeah, Varian very much was like, you stay in this box.
0: And when Anduin and got old box. enough, when Andrew got old enough and started talking to his father more and actually, like, being a little person instead of just a baby or whatever, that's what kind of broke Varian out of that depression that he was in. It was always Anduin. But, yeah, I I feel like... I'm sorry, Rossi, I interrupted you, but the box, yeah, he's always had kind of had Anduin in that box. And you, you got
2: that... like we, we, We've never really talked about the short story from Cataclysm. No, but you should. Go ahead. The, well, there's the... When, when you go back to the Cataclysm, so first off, when Wolfheart um, comes out, when, when Varian comes back, there's a whole Wolfheart thing about was Varian so good. <laughs> have to, I keep having to go back to, to context. But to, to go try ahead to and go back past. to wherever
0: you need to go back to. Go for it. Um,
2: if you start off when when Varian comes back during Wrath of Lich King, Varian takes the throne. He's not stable. Like He's been through a lot. He's been taken apart and had like his memory r- erased and found himself as two people, and eventually jammed back together, and even his swords get jammed into one thing and they were two things before, and he's not put back together the way he was. Like he's, his, his dominant side is now the anger and pain he felt over everything he's gone through, rather than before, the, before all this stuff happened, Varian was glib. Varian was good with people. Varian was a lot more like Anduin back then than he, is, than he was when he died. And he, it's, it's interesting to watch his progression because he kind of fought through it. But when he comes back, he's, he's kind of – he's almost – I don't want to say schizoid, but he's very, very much a split person. And his anger is running him. He's to a lot more where,
0: sullen and angry.
2: Yeah. And to the point where like, he's, he's, he's depicted at one point in Wolfhart I'm pretty sure it's Wolfheart, if not a short story, right? Where he actually hits Anduin, which is unthinkable to, to Varian before.
0: I think that was Wolfheart. I don't think that was... No, I think that was... He didn't hit Anduin. He grabbed Anduin's arm, and he actually hurt him. Yeah. Like, he hurt him. And that was the point where Anduin said, Yeah, no, I'm going to go study with Valencia Pops.
2: Yeah. And that was in In
0: Wolfheart. Varian's out-of-control
2: anger basically caused him to um, injure his son. And he... You know, this is not something... The Anduin... You know, Varian of the past would never have done this. Like, Anduin was, like, precious to him. And so when he did this, oh, he and Varian to
0: was immediately horrified yeah. too.
2: Yeah, and we we see to a degree this is why Varian and Gen became close because Varian and Gen were not close. Varian did not like Gen. Varian remembered what Gen was like, and he blamed him for taking the the Gilneans and just hiding behind a wall. He was very much like, a, no, I
0: remember you. You and I had words, and you were a jerk, and I'm angry. When the and night it, elves it, came together and they had, like, this whole council thing to see whether the worgen should be allowed to join the alliance, Varian was the strongest dissenting voice in Wolfheart. He straight up does not want
2: them around. He's like, mm-hmm. what do we need them for? They didn't, they didn't want to help us when we needed them. Well, I don't see any reason why I should extend myself to them. And it, it, through that whole thing, it's – Gen is partially responsible for Varian being able to rebuild his relationship with his son because Gen said to him, like, look, we know what you're feeling you know, we understand this. You may not have it physically. You may not actually be turning into a wolf monster, but trust me, what the fact that they call you, Lagosh does not, it's not a coincidence here. We can help you. And they sort of came, they became friends through that. And Anduin is very much like a lot of the stuff Varian has done, like did up till his death. A lot of the stuff he did to try to repair his life and become a better King is through actually, it's actually through trying to be a better person for his son. And it's interesting, because you don't get to see that a lot in, in fiction, where like a, a father character learns from their child. And that's definitely the relationship that they had, Like where Varian, Varian was teaching Anduin things. He wasn't just learning from his son. It wasn't just his son being a wonderkind and Varian always learning from him. But he definitely was learning from him. And I think that the, the moments that really stick out are that what we just talked about in Cataclysm, the short story, where Anduin basically his father is still kind of boiling over. Like he's, he's managed to reintegrate himself. He's, he's one person, but he's an angry person. And, and Anduin is despairing of ever being able to reach him and say, Hey dad, you, you can't, you know, there's a scene in the throne room where, uh, somebody says something cutting and, and Varian's like, really? And it looks like violence is going to happen. And everyone's like, I think Jane is like, Oh God. Yeah. Everyone dial it back. And, uh, when when Varian dies in that short story, it's basically they're under attack by the by the you know Twilight. It's a Twilight cult, right?
0: Twilight this cult, yeah.
2: Twilight cults attacking. Uh, the you know the Twilight father in you know it's Benedictus, but we we never actually see that in the short story. But Benedictus is trying to have Anduin, trying to have Varian killed, and probably Anduin too. But he's going for Varian, and Anduin basically from the brink of death pulls him back, casts a red spell on him. They don't actually say that, but that's what it is. And there's a they finally manage to bridge. You know, Varian basically says, "You don't. You know, if when I if I lose you, I lose the last bit of her. I lose the last bit of when my life was good." You know, and Anduin's response is basically, "You know, I can't just stay here and never do anything. How? What kind of king will I be? What kind of man will I be if I never go anywhere, or do anything?" And that's the constant push pull between the two characters. And you see it again in Mists. Like that's the whole thing about Mists, right?
0: Mist is very much a push pull, and it's Anduin trying to kind of establish his independence a little bit. I think, honestly. Um, Joe, I want you to step in here because you haven't really said anything. <laughs>
1: well, honestly, like one of the things that I always loved about the two of them off each other is that Anduin represented, in a lot of ways, Varian's humanity. Like, and we we talked about that a little bit here, but it was always that that the thing where where Logash took over and Varian was ready to to. Go and murder things, or deal with things with such an aggressive nature, because that's all he has known in his re- like his adult life is aggression, conflict, strife. He hasn't really known peace except inside of his family. So that's what Anduin represents: is that that peace, that hope, that that humanity, that thing that this is what I'm actually fighting for. And I loved, I loved, absolutely adored that transition in Varian. It actually. When Varian was first introduced, I hated him as a character. Like I absolutely despised him. I thought he was incredibly one-dimensional and was absolutely terrible. But as the years went on, and as they started really flushing out the story of, you know, how Anduin's dealing with him coming back, how he's dealing with becoming, you know, back to his back to the the king that he was supposed to be, and and everything else, and you start to see this transformation. Um, Even with the when we see the we're talking about cataclysm, the founding of the Council of Three Hammers again. When you have Varian going in there ready to murder everything if he has to, because Iron Forge has to be held by Alliance Hands. And then it's like this the switch where it's like, you know what? No, you guys are gonna do this instead. And it wasn't Varian that I was seeing there. That was that's something Anduin would have done. Like that's something Anduin would have been like, you know what? This is actually useful to have all three of these sitting together and talking and you know, doing something collectively. I'm not going to actually murder them and just put it back to the way it used to be. We need to allow them to grow. And it was like, that was such an Anduin moment. I'm like, all right, okay, I see what's going on here. And it made, stuff like that made me happy.
0: Yeah, there's this interesting dichotomy going on between Anduin and Varian. And uh, Razi, you kind of touched on it a little bit there, where... Anduin wasn't the only one that was like teaching things. Like he wasn't sitting there, you know, dictating to his father. Oh, this is how you have to act, or whatever. It was it very much went two ways. And the way that it went was Varian tried to force his son to do something. Like he tried to teach his son how to do something. Like he he tried to have Anduin undergo like military training so he could be a warrior and be all this other stuff. That's part of the reason why he went to Ironforge in the first place was to learn how to use weapons and be a warrior. And Anduin came back with yeah, but I'm a priest. <laughs> like, there was a there was a back and forth there where it was like Varian's trying to put Andwin in this spot where he thinks that Andwin should be, and Andwin keeps coming back in a different spot, but a better person for it. So it's not just Andwin kind of learning how to be what's best for him, it's also Varian observing that and realizing that, oh, okay, there are better ways to be here. You don't you don't have to just be constantly in this position where you're defending yourself all the time. Maybe. Yeah, like I think the, no, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead.
2: I was going to say at the end of Mists of Pandaria, the end of the Siege of Orgrimmar raid is a really good example of that because Anduin, it shows it for, for starters that Anduin doesn't know everything that's going on. No. I'm sorry, that just my. it just, it shows that he doesn't, it's, it's when you see what happens, Anduin thinks his father's going over there to kill, you know, the troll, um, Vol'jin. He thinks he's going to go over and start something. Even Jaina thinks so at first. Like, Jaina's, do, you must dismantle the horde. And it looks like that's what Varian's going to do. He calls his guard up and struts over. And he was like, what are you doing? And he's like, what a king must do. And I'm bringing that up for a reason. I'll get to it in a second. Um, that's a good thing to bring up. <laughs> when, when he goes over there, he for, Strip says, we're not taking your crap anymore. But you fought him too. We're both here. I'm not going to make this an issue. I could make this an issue. I could take you out. Would cost me. It would cost me lives. It would cost me resources. But I could do it. I'm not going to. And that is for my people, not for you. You got you. You bought yourself a chance with me. I will give you that chance because my people or lives are more important. I'm paraphrasing, and you know, there's there's. He says much less than this, but he said this is the point. But the he implication there, is there. Yeah. yeah. He goes over there and he basically says, all right, put." in the best part is he, he takes a sword and jams it into the floor, which is not, this is not just putting down your sword. This is saying "Shunk, I could, you using this. I am clearly strong enough. I'm strong enough to block that giant hammer with this thing. So I'm not coming to you because I'm weak and I need help, but nevertheless, you get a pass because you fought him too. I will extend myself that much. I will give you a chance here. And, that's Varian's influence, but it's it's Anduin's influence, but it's Varian's interpretation of it. And that's the thing. Anduin wants to offer peace. Varian knows you can't always offer peace unless you're in a position to make war. Like, you know, the horde can't just be openly trusted, but if you're strong enough that you know you can fight them, then you can basically say, All right, we'll try this again.
0: Then you can start establishing that tentative kind of trust. And when at that point yeah, well, because point. at that
1: point it doesn't matter, because if the, if you're strong enough to fight them back, and they you know do something that they're not supposed to, you can slap the hand, so to speak. So yeah, yeah it makes but, sense.
2: But it 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 goes back to what we see at, at the Broken Shore, which I think you know at this point we should start talking about the cinematic and stuff because let's talk it, about it before much... we talk
0: about that cinematic, let's talk about the very end that we saw in the moments before his death, like when you were when we first approached the Broken Shore at the beginning of Legion he and Sylvanas were trading quips like back and forth. Like there was kind (gasps) of an animosity there but it was a jovial sort of thing. Like, and when they were making that last stand um, if you're a Horde player and you're going up the Horde side you see Sylvanas and she's talking to Varian. And if you're on the Alliance side you see Varian. And they're calling to each other over this ravine, right? And Sylvanas on the Horde side after she says good luck or whatever she actually salutes she gives him a salute before you keep going up that hill. So there's a respect there. It's interesting because I honestly feel like,
2: like we're not talking about Sylvanas this week. No, we are. Um, we will be talking about Sylvanas soon. Next but time. I will say this Next much. I, one of the things that's interesting about Sylvanas is the past couple years have shown that Sylvanas is still evil. I'm not. She does horrible, evil things. But a lot of Sylvanas's motivations are twisted versions of who she was before. Right. And who she was before... Was the sister of one of the alliance's greatest heroes, who, when they put up a statue to that to the said hero, it was Sylvanas who wrote the uh the you know the the, the plaque for it. It was Sylvanas who wrote the you know this is you know the memorial to her sister, and that thing was right up front and center in Stormwind.
0: That's right you used there to come- at the front gates. You yeah.
2: walk through. It's right there. Used to, I remember back in the day, I used to go through the gates of Stormwind, and that those statues were all there, and you could click on it, and there's the thing from Sylvanas, you know, saying you were the best of us to her sister, and it's like you, you, these are, it's interesting because we've gotten to the point where you've got somebody who, a lot of their motivations, like you know, a lot of Sylvanas's motivation is you know being utterly twisted and broken, like okay, she is but somebody. Let's... Who, yeah, no, but what I'm getting at is, with, with the war against the legion what it's done is make anduin both more and less right because you what you see there is somebody like sylvanas and somebody like varian who ordinarily could not find common ground
1: they couldn't stand each other you can
2: find common ground when there's demons trying to destroy the world and it's for me what it
0: showed for me what it showed that moment what it showed right there with varian was that he had moved on and he had progressed to a place where he knew where he stood and he wasn't afraid to stand there and he wasn't afraid to, you know, show his might or anything like that. It it was basically a progression of the, that moment we saw at the end of Siege of Orgamar, the one that you were talking about, where he established, yeah, I'm a force to be reckoned with. I'm not going to beat you guys down and I'm not doing it to be nice to you. I'm doing it, it because that's what my people need right now. And, and, and it's a much more mature variant at the end. And I I hate to use the word mature because, I mean, he's he's old by that point. You know, he's, he's fully grown, Ben king for a long time and everything. But it is. It's like a more mature kind of balanced variant that we see at the end of Siege of Orgrimmar.
2: There's, there's an old thing. I don't remember where it was originally stated. I got it from a Batman comic by Grant Morrison. But he has Batman say, your rage is born of fear and is unworthy of a master of the martial arts. Varian was afraid of a lot of things. He was afraid of losing his family. He was afraid of any more loss than he already had. He was afraid of letting his people down. The Varian at the end of Siege of Orgrimmar, the Varian that we see in bits and pieces in Warlords, and the Varian from the cinematic and you know the everything we saw in the beginning of Legion, that Varian wasn't afraid anymore, and that's why he wasn't angry anymore. Like he could still get angry. But is when he got angry. Now it was basically like I have to help. I have to save my people. The way he died was I have to save my people. And Anduin has the biggest problem for Anduin is he has he has a lot to live up to, and not all of it good, but all of it huge. Like even when Varian did something wrong, he did it big. Like Varian wasn't the kind of guy who just messed up a little. Varian. Varian was a was a larger than life figure. He wasn't he Wouldn't wasn't you...
0: known for being overly cautious, except no. in matters of his son. Yeah. <laughs> his son was the only thing he was really cautious about, and his way of being cautious with his son was to keep him close so nothing could get to him, hurt him, or potentially take him away. Like he had a chokehold on that kid for the longest time. And what did Joe Joe mentioned it? Joe mentioned the,
2: the Council of the Three Hammers. Yeah. And like uh, when he when he went into to, or, to, to oh god I want to say Orgrimmar so bad and it's not it's Ironforge yeah when he went to Ironforge he was going to kill people
0: oh yeah like, oh yeah he the, they were si messing 7, with his son they they si were si holding 7, his son prisoner
2: <laughs> I si seven had to hold him back it's like yeah my elite group of of spies and and assassins they're here to slow me down because if they're not here I just kill the freaking lot of you and take Anduin and leave. I was like, sir, they are an ally. You can't just murder everybody in your way. <laughs> sir,
0: um, you might want to <laughs> dial it back a couple of notches. <laughs> yeah. um, And once once he sees that Andwin is okay, then he's okay. It's not until that point. It's just Andwin, Andwin was, I think Andwin was kind of almost his weak spot in a way. Um, and I, I don't know. It, it, it's just interesting the dynamic between the two of them, it's been interesting watching that grow. And I and I felt really terrible when Varian died, because it felt like Anduin wasn't at a spot where he was ready, you know? And that's reflected in this quest line, is that Anduin doesn't, he still doesn't feel like he's ready. But the other thing that Anduin acknowledges is that... He hasn't had any time, like, since Legion began, he hasn't had any time to mourn, he hasn't had any time to grieve, he hasn't had any time to do anything, but handle the stuff, not on the Broken chore directly, but from Stormwind, like, everything else, handle everything else that needs to be going on, and filling that role of being a king, even though maybe he's not really prepared for it yet, and... He kind of has these doubts about himself. So yeah, go ahead and talk about the cinematic now. Full full rant. If you guys haven't seen the Anduin cinematic, come back <laughs> after you've done the quest. It's like a two day quest. You do the first. Or if part. you're a horde,
1: after you watch the you know the cinematic.
0: Yeah, if you're a horde and you have an alliance all at 110, go do this quest chain. You don't have to do everything else on the broken shore just to do the quest chain. It's just it's it's a quest chain that popped up this week. It's a story quest and. Yeah, if you don't have an alliance, all maybe you should just go watch it on YouTube because it's a fantastic cinematic. Anyway, sorry guys, go, 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 go. Talk about it. He has to go first. I've been talking a lot.
1: <laughs> so the the way the cinematic opens up is that you first you see Jen Greymane and the Prophet Velen, and they're talking. They're looking at the Tomb of Sargeras and there this field of just. Bones and weapons and everything else where this the fighting, the meat of the fighting at the beginning of the expansion took
0: place. It's the place and, where his father died.
1: And I was just gonna say that, and it's it's important because then Anduin comes up because this is the place where Varian fell. And it's this moment where Jen is trying to scold Anduin for like, you shouldn't be here, and he's like, I need to be here. And even the Prophet Velen says, Yes, he needs to see this, he needs to understand the weight of it. And there's some very interesting choices with for me visually because the one the fell reaver is still there, its head cracked open right where Varian had left it. Uh, there are these ghosts of wisps on the at the the rock outcropping where the horde were, and then you get these flashes where Anduin seems to be almost reliving the death of his father, and you see Varian get run through, and Anduin falls to his knees, feeling that pain, and then. Right at his feet, right in front of him where he falls is Charlemagne, his father's sword. That for the entire time that the sword has existed, it has not been cracked or dormant. There's been this fiery light inside of it. But here it's out. And this is where Anduin starts to come to grips with the fact of, yes, I need to be a king. And this is where I don't think I've ever seen Jen be this soft, which I think is also really important. Jen says... Yes, your dad was heroic, but there are more to heroics than just big, big deeds. It's a, you know, I was there with him at the gates of hell and he hands him his father's sword. And then Anduin has this moment where almost like it's suffused with the light and he sees his father one last time. And Varian almost looks peaceful and it looks like it's happening right at the gates of Stormwind. It's got the statues on either side of it right around right as that that entrance way in. And he tells him Varian goes to his son. You're going to do what a king must do. You're going to be fine. And this resolve comes into Anduin. And it's such a huge, powerful moment. It's a fantastic cinematic. And then right as it ends, you see Charlemagne wake up. But not with the fiery red power that Varian had with it. It's being suffused with the light that Anduin basically is. We've known he's been able to channel. We know that he's a priest at this point, that he can call to the light. Charlemagne is now becoming a weapon of light, not just anger. And that has all sorts of weird implications. Honestly, I love the cinematic. It it makes me feel like we haven't seen nearly enough of what Anduin is going to to be able to do as king. And it's also interesting, and we talked about this a little bit pre-show, the timing of it is weird. Because the timing of this is before the comic we saw that was released, before legion son of the came wolf. out son of the wolf and it just seems so weird that they would do that comic first and then this now but now we can start to see how he got to that point he got to that point of resolve sort of the pieces are starting to fall into place where it's like he dispatched that demon with nothing like he he didn't even try he it was it was almost effortless for him in the comic and you can see where it's like here he's starting to understand he's like yeah i, I can do this I can do this. And we start to see him just do it.
2: So, Should we point out that the sword he finds on the Broken Shore, the cinematic, that's only half the sword.
0: It's half of it. Yeah. And the other in half Son of the Wolf, the he's found, they, they they have the other half. He has both yeah. halves.
2: Yeah. Which I think is cool because now he can give them to a warrior.
0: Or he <laughs> can become a paladin.
2: <laughs> no. Wait, can paladin do two-handed swords? Use- they can use a two-hander, but they can't use two one-handers.
0: Okay, but if... He, half the sword would
2: be wasted. It splits into two swords. He wouldn't be able to use that well, part. Well, with the one-handed sword, it's
0: okay because he's a priest. It's a hand and a half sword. It's fine. And if he has both both of the one-handed swords, he could put them together again into a two-handed sword. But, and Then he could be a paladin.
2: Eh. I do think, though, we should point out one thing. One of the interesting things about that scene, is Joe had mentioned that Gen kind of softens up. Gen is in a position where he lost his son. Yeah. And we deal with that to a degree here. He says, you know, during the whole Sylvanas thing, we're not going to get into it. But I think, to a certain degree, one of the reasons Gen and Anduin work better is because you know Gen has lost his son, his son who was about the same age, really. Uh, Liam wasn't that much older than Anduin. He was uh, he was older, but I don't think he was like maybe at most a decade older. It's kind of hard to tell, actually. Nobody ever really says. And as a result, I mean, I don't think he's doing. He's not trying to be Anduin's father. It's very. It's very obvious he's not, but he is he does sympathize with the young man who is basically close enough to what his son would have been and going through what his son would, should have like you know in Gen's mind he should be dead, and Liam should be the king
0: Liam should be filling that role that Anwin is filling right now,
2: yeah, Liam should be king of Gilnaeus and Gen should yeah. be dead that if you t- if you said to Gen tomorrow. I can give you. I can bring Liam back as a completely alive, normal person. But you have to die. Gen would jump on that. That would absolutely. Be like, cool. And so, as a result, it's interesting to watch their dynamic because when when Gen is dealing with Anduin, he's very gruff and very like you know you can't do that. Like you know he's like you have to. You know he's trying to think for of what Varian would want, but at the same time, he's trying to think about what what is necessary for the you know the alliance and for you know the the, the, the kingdom. Uh, if Anduin's going to be High King, he has to be High King. He can't, we can't, like, just let him, there's that whole bit with Velen. Like, there's there's an exchange between Velen and Gen about, you know, Velen's like, no, he'll be a great leader. And, and Gen's like, he's never, he's never actually seen any of this. He's never, you know, been in a war. He doesn't know, and even Velen says, yes, he's never seen the Legion the way we have. And to a degree, Velen's being nice there. Because Gen has never oh, yeah. seen the Legion the way Velen has. Velen, ha- you know, Velen's got thousands of years of experience with this stuff.
1: Velen's like, come back to me when you've been chased across realities.
2: Yeah, but no, Velen. Velen's kind enough to say he doesn't because he knows Gen has seen war. Gen did fight the Horde. He's you know had the Forsaken crawl over all of his kingdom. He's this is not a guy who has never been in a fight.
0: Velen's kind uh- of in a delicate situation here too because he's had visions and he's seen that Anduin is going to be a great ruler he doesn't know how he's going to get there yet but he's seen, he's, he's had visions and he's told Gen this he's, he's told Gen, look, I had visions of him being a great leader, he'll be okay but at the same time he doesn't want to like overstep his bounds because obviously this, these are human matters and Gen is a human being and Gen understands more about human leadership than Velen ever could well, too. Um,
2: Plus, there's also the fact that, you know, Velen's still only just now getting back to his full mojo. Yeah. One of the things that happened, this was actually in Chronicle 2 that I didn't know about, I'd never even thought about it, was that Velen was very badly injured in the Genedar crash. Yes, he was. And one of the results of that was that he lost a great deal of his ability to control and understand his visions. That's one of the reasons he didn't see where any of it was coming. He knew stuff was coming, but he couldn't. He like he'd go, he'd try and go look, and he wouldn't get anything useful. Um, so that that's a problem for Velen as well. I I do think it's interesting because Anduin has kind of done the opposite of what his father did, in that you know, Anduin has these adult figures to serve as as like leader, as like mentors, but he's king over them and can't really. Like, you know, when, when Anduin Lothar was around, he was definitely the regent and and, Vel- and, and you know, Varian wasn't king. And when Terranus, he had to leave Lordaeron and he became equals with Terranus in his lifetime. But he wasn't when he was a child, you know, and even when he was 18. And it, it's the transition period was different. And Anduin still has them, whereas Varian had to watch them all die. Yeah. Like, you know, Anduin Lothar died. Terranus got murdered by his own son. Uh, so it's it's interesting. It is an interesting difference between the two characters.
0: Varian, I find interesting because, like I said, Varian has kind of lived his life, uh, you know, on on defensive, uh, on like on like a defensive path where he has to be because everything that's happened to him when he was a child, everything that's happened to him as he's been growing up, even you know, you look at when Taranis died, it wasn't just another father figure biting the dust as far as as far as Varian was concerned it was also the friend that he grew up with turned evil Arthas killed his own father and Arthas and Varian they were friends when they were younger so that it's like a double blow there and then you know the final straw in that basket was Tiffin Tiffin falling when Varian was just you know trying to do the right thing he was out there trying to quell the riots Tiffin took the side of the rioters by the way she was she was trying to advocate for them and and Help them come to some kind of fair agreement with everything. And the rioting just got out of control. And she died as a result of that, which was kind of sad. But a- at the same time, it's just, it's interesting because Varian lived his life having to kind of steel himself against everything that was coming at him. And then his son, in order to keep his son from having to live that same life, he tried to shield his son from ever having any of that happen so what Which i want to know i'm sorry I, go ahead. no it's okay I, i'm i'm leading up to a question here and i'm going to turn it back over to you guys in just a second what i want to know is andwin obviously andwin's background like i said sheltered sheltered is a better word than than isolated he he he, he admittedly lived a pretty sheltered childhood Except for the points where he could sneak away and go see Aunt Jaina or go to Pandaria or go wherever and get out from under Varian's thumb just for a little bit here and there. How do you think that background is going to affect how he reigns as king?
1: Well, can I let Joe go first? How is it going to affect it? I don't know. because I mean, How do
0: you see that background affecting him? Do you think he's going to be a more effective or less effective leader than Varian?
1: I honestly think he'll be, and I, I'm sure I'm going to get some hate for this. I think he's going to be more effective. Um, and the reason I say that is because he's, he's far more grounded, I think than Varian started with. And he doesn't have that same pit of rage that Varian had to contend with, but everything that he's been through has sort of wanted him a, a unique view on the relationships, not only of his allies, but of the enemies as well. and, I think he's going to be a far more effective leader and I think he's going to make more effective choices.
2: Honestly for me one of the things I always look at is the fact that Varian like you pointed out earlier Varian had that 10 years of practically idyllic childhood of being the prince of a prosperous and powerful kingdom with literally no problems that he could see. Um you know he had his his mother and his father both um he had you know the run of the kingdom for at least a little while. I, I think he was alive he Uncle when his <laughs> yeah, he had an un- Uncle Lothar, possibly in quotes, possibly not. Um, he, he, that all ended, but he's that's how he started. V- Anduin grew up with a dead mother and an absent father. Um, as a result, Varian discovered loss in a way that Anduin never did, because Anduin had g- grew up with loss as the default condition. You know, you already don't have your mother. You already only kind of have your father. Um, you're already aware. And oppressed by the the demand on you that will be put on you someday. Someday the thing that you watch you killing your father slowly will be put on you. And that's what he, he's grown up the entire life watching the crown kill his father.
0: It's kinda of interesting too because yeah. the whole uh the short story that you were talking about, the Cataclysm one, was about Remembrance yeah. Day, and one of the things that Varian is remembering is how he comes from a long line of kings who have lost their lives violently. Yeah and that is in fact
2: exactly what happened to him. Uh and that's the the the, the Rin dynasty it, it's almost to a degree it's kind of tragic because not just because of the obvious reasons, it's tragic because none of them ever really wanted it. Like they they weren't aggressive rulers. The the the, the Stormwind certainly had waged war against the trolls in the past, but they weren't conquerors. They weren't warriors by nature, they were warriors by necessity. And Anduin to a degree, Anduin's going into the situation, he's going to have to fight. It's not his inclination. He is, if anything, much more a classical Rin leader. He's much more like Lane than, it's, than, than he is like Varian in terms of just like, how he lives. And to a degree, Lane had a similar experience in that, although his father and mother were alive when he was a young child, Lane grew up with the trolls encroaching and at least kind of had that understanding of this is what the weight of this will be. Whereas there's no way Varian could have seen, after all the fighting my father did to establish a secure and stable kingdom, monsters from another universe are going to come to ruin it all. There's no way, it, like, you know, eight-year-old Varian had, did not see that coming. So, Anduin, and I feel like he, he won't, he'll bend more than he'll break, because he's seen it. He knows this has been his entire life, you know, people are, people are dead or missing, uh, we're constantly under attack, we're constantly trying to create a stable situation, and it constantly gets worse. He's got Jane as example. I mean, think about when he, you know when he was like a kid when the regency like you know when, when he was effectively a pawn Jaina was a state was the only stable alliance figure arguing for anything like rapprochement with the horde and now she's gone and the last time he saw her she was like I will never work for them never you know and he's had to see that happen he's seen the weight of of responsibility and what it does to people so I think he'll be a good leader but I think he'll be the like this is a guy who's who's putting his... He literally knows I am putting my head on a chopping block.
0: Okay, here's my question. I, here's another question for you. It could be argued that the downfall of Lane Ryn was the fact that he was too trusting to a degree because he trusted Garona, and then she turned on him. Now, mind you, she wasn't under her own volition in doing so, but she did. Do you think Anduin maybe suffers that same kind of thing do you think he's going to be too trusting or do you think
2: here's why i don't think he will be okay and i think i think you know i'm interested in what joe will think of it but when you see son of the wolf he he's got no warning he has no there's nothing that tells him by the way that guy's a demon but the second that guy goes for him he's ready mm-hmm. and he even says you know i am my father's son
1: and there's- let's not and let's not forget though like and we talked about this way earlier in the conversation, Varian imprinted on him as much as he imprinted on Varian. And there's been several times throughout the comics and, and stories and everything else where we've seen that influence. Like when the Scourge were attacking Stormwind uh, and Varian and Bolvar and Bolvar went to go defend the city. Uh, Varian wanted to sort of sequester Anduin away. And he turns his back to sort of like get Anduin and a Scourge soldier goes to attack him. And who's the one that sticks a dagger through the attacker? It's not a soldier, it's Anduin. He's he's prepared. He's he's there. He's seen everything. He's on the
0: defense as much as his father was, but kind of in a different way.
1: A completely different way. Like I think he's I think he's also easier. He's better at reading the environment than his father was. While his father was always I hate to say posturing, but like always always ready for the fight. Anduin looks at everybody in the room and sees the person that maybe isn't moving right or looking right or doesn't fit with the scene. He's a lot more calmer approach to it, which lets him be prepared for those moments. Like, Oh yes, this is a, 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 a demon that is hiding as a human. Well, I got this. It's covered. I got, I've seen this before. We're good to, to like, harken back to like vanilla days. Cause I know this is a quest that you and I both did. and that Joe might've
2: done it too. When you go into the throne room with Windsor, Anduin is there.
0: Yep. Yep. Anduin is, sees is, that. You know, yep. just just to like side note here this is not andwin Wren's first stint as king because he was a king when he was 10 years old <laughs> yeah, I mean
1: he was, the, he was the boy king kind of in Bolvar name only in charge, but he, he kinda, was but...
0: yeah he was, he, was in, he had Bolvar on one side and he had Prester on the other but he, he was when you walked in there it was King Anduin Wren and he was this little kid so this is kind of his second run at it but he doesn't have those advisors in either ear anymore it's him on his own so yeah sorry yeah. Rossi go Ahead and continue no. my
2: point is just that he this is not a, this is not someone who was he was never an unobservant child that's that's clear from every every fiction source we've got for him every bit of lore anduin was always watching and, and learning and he saw windsor walk in he saw prester turn into a dragon he knew you know what she was um if if you wanted to use the the story version where it's anduin who it's it's variant who comes in with windsor it's still you know he saw her change he was taken by her he knows you can't. You know, even the people closest to you could be suborned or a traitor. And when He's if got you want to go lesson. back,
0: if you want to go back to the comics too, andwin was the one that first sensed that something was wrong. Yeah, and when his father came back and wasn't quite
2: himself, Varian knew it was his father. He never had any doubt. This is my dad. Andrew and and did. Anduin did you mean Yes, yeah, I know. I did it, knew it was his father, but he knew his father wasn't right. And he was the only one. When there were two variant Rins standing there, was the only one who's like, "Yeah, okay, now it
0: makes sense." There's <laughs> oh, two. Of them. It all makes sense now. Yeah. Everyone yeah, else is like, "What?"
1: He possesses such a, a high level of insight, like as he a he was a precocious kid. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that, and maybe that was the light chirping in his ear, and he didn't know it. We know. I mean, that could also be a thing as well, because the light does speak to people.
0: So, Varian Just, yeah. had some major role models when he was younger and growing up, obviously, and when Lothar, Taranis, Menethil, even his father. Lane Lane. was you know a big influence on him and everything and all of these people kind of shaped how Varian would lead in the future who would you say Antwin's biggest influences are and how do you think that would shape how he leads in the future because he's got some interesting people that he's worked with in the past
2: I'm going to just I'm going to use one that I think is pretty obvious Um, obviously Velen yes Um, because he went to Velen and Velen taught him and of all people anduin was the one who reminded Velen, yes you have a duty to the future and you have a duty to the light and a duty to the broad scheme of things but you also have a duty to right now
0: you can't you forget can't... the
2: present yeah. while you're you have to you have to be in the moment and deal with what's happening right now with your people and Velen needed to be taught that by anduin anduin gave that to Velen,
0: or reminded so of that anyway yeah at the very well, least I, I,
2: I think, yeah, he, obviously he, he knew it, but it's one. the problem with Velen has is that the problem Velen's always had, Velen has lived long even for one of his people.
0: He is super old. Yeah, he <laughs> he is, is so old.
2: Relatively few dranai who have lived as long as him. And in all that time, he has basically been besieged by, by his destiny and his duty to the, accept, you know, to the point where he had to give up his family, where he lost them and he had to just accept it, that they were gone. Uh, so, yeah, you need someone like Anduin to come along and say, yeah, that's all great, but... So I think Velen's definitely one.
0: What do you think, Joe? Another major Bane. influence. Bane. thank you. I was hoping somebody would say it.
1: And, and the reason I say that is because it was one of the most interesting conversations that you can have between two essentially warring factions. You have Bane Bloodhoof, who was in a very similar situation to Anduin. And this is they all were... in the
0: middle of cataclysm, keep in mind.
1: All in the middle of cataclysm. And, and they talk about be, what it is to be... Uh, the sons of great leaders and the differences between right and wrong and i mean anduin even gives Fearbreaker to bane like this was gifted to him and he gifted it to bane bloodhuff
0: and keep but in mind that bane had just lost his father Thunderbluff was being overrun was, yep
1: and i was just gonna say and if of all of the and all of the characters all of the the npcs that exist in this world the only one who understands what Anduin is going through right now, even remotely close is Bane because he's already lived this. He had to bury his father. He had to take back what was taken from his people. He had to find his own way. He had to find a place inside of a horde that, you know, or part of a greater whole that he did not agree with. And, you know, it. he understands. And I think that, that that's going to have a large impact I and really want
0: to see like, those two yeah, touch base again.
1: I want
2: to very much so. Yes, thank you. What's weird about that too is that Bane, um, if you if you played a torn recently from like level say 1 to say 12, and especially if you have a bunch of non-Tauren who are also trying to do stuff with you, <laughs> but who can't. Uh, like on the leveling quite... stream. Yeah, that didn't yeah. go over very well. When we did that, um, my character got to see like Bane, Bane has taken a very different tack from Karen. Karen was very much you know, they called him the Old Bull. You know, he was he was a warrior. He was certainly strong. Um, he, if anything, he was one of the most physically powerful Torren ever. And in a pure physical fight, he probably would rip, you know, he would have ripped Garrosh in half. Like, he was relentlessly powerful. But Bane, when he fights, is far more terrifying than his father. Like, in that, in that bit, when you're level 12 and you go through and Bane's like, okay, go take care of these Grim Totems for me. When you go there, Bane shows up and, like, Half oh, the yeah. Grim Totem tribe shows up to fight him. And by himself, because you're not doing a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was there. I was barely occasionally casting a spell. Bane takes out the entire Grim Totem tribe that's there. Arno and all of them. He just by himself, smashes them. It's like Bolvar it's,
0: part two. It's Bolvar in the throne room part two. I think to a degree,
2: one of the things we need to see that we haven't seen in game yet, and we do need to see it, is Anduin doing something. Because we have not yet seen it. And the closest we've got is back in Pandaria when he ran up and he proved he was brave. I mean, there's no, you cannot argue that he was. And maybe a little stupid, but brave. He he ran up and he destroyed the Divine Bell and got crushed for his trouble. And then he went and basically went t- He went face-to-face with Garrosh Hellscream, which is not something most human 16-year-olds, if he's 17 now, he wasn't, you know what I mean? He's, he was like 16. was 15,
0: 16, somewhere in there, yeah.
2: He went toe-to-toe with a dude who was like one of the largest, scariest orcs you're going to run into and didn't back away from it. So we've always known he was brave. I mean, sometimes brave to the point of, C- could you not run ahead of me? I mean, I-, I am the one here to keep you safe. Please don't, re- oh God. But... Nevertheless, brave. So, it would be. It, I want to see Anduin actually do something. I think Bane could be a good person to have show him that. that you know, you, you can act outside of the shadow of a great figure.
0: Okay, one more little tangent here before we wrap up because we are actually reaching the. We could talk about Anduin like forever, I feel like. Anyway, uh. So you talk about how Anduin was brave and everything in Miss of Pandaria and we talked a little bit about how maybe we're dealing with Uncle Lothar here maybe not, we don't know. Because the thing is, is canonically, in the Second Chronicle book T-Tari is mentioned, but it's not mentioned whether or not she's Lothar's sister. So we don't know if that's an established bit of lore. However, in Mists of Pandaria, when as an Alliance player, you first reach Pandaria and you're trying to figure out where and went and you go you meet Lorwalker Cho for the first time Lorwalker Cho refers to Andwin as the boy prince the young lion do you guys think maybe that's a subtle indication like inference maybe that yeah he is part of that whole Lothar bloodline
2: well i mean the, the lions that's a pretty big stormwind symbol so it it could just yeah. be that's the, the Well, I mean Motar was known as the Lion
0: of Stormwind though,
2: right? Yeah. No, I, I, you know I want this to be the truth.
0: I want it to be true too. <laughs> I so want so, it.
1: So it's That's like, why I brought it up. I just <laughs> see Rossi Flo I want this.
2: I would you know, if if we made that the case, that would I would certainly not be unhappy about it. Um we I don't feel like I can say with any kind of certainty that they were hinting at it, but I can say this much. Varian named him after Anduin and Lothar for a reason, and not just just not just out of gratitude. Not
0: you know? just because There's... oh, you're my father. You were my father after I lost my father, or anything like that. I,
2: I think to a certain degree, it would make sense if they were related. If if Anduin and Lothar was Taria's brother, and that made because it would make sense. All the stuff Lothar goes through for Lane and his family, it would be for his family, you know. Lane's children are his, are his nieces and nephews. If he had, you know, I, there was a daughter in the movie. I don't, think, I don't think there is one in the main canon. But, you know, his son would be his nephew. His family line, the continuation of the Rin line, is the continuation of the Lothar line. Which means it's the continuation of humanity's first ruling dynasty. And it means that Anduin has every right to be High King of the Alliance. Because every single human nation, theoretically, would actually owe him fealty. Cause he, you know, his house founded them all. Here's what it, I'm it's...
0: hoping for. I'm hoping that because we've seen like little implications and hints here and there, and obviously it was very obvious in the movie, but movie canon is not game canon. What I'm hoping is we get to Argus, we find Teralion. Taralion confirms it, like just flat out confirms it. Like he meets Anduin and says, "It's it's good to see that the Lothar line has continued," or something. Like he just he mentions it like just give us something (laughs) it would be nice Anyway, okay, so that's going to wrap us up for this time around. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And if you guys are fans of the podcast and you'd like to continue supporting the podcast, you can sign up with Audible. Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can do that through blizzardwatch.com audible. There are plenty of the Blizzard books, the Blizzard novels including Wolfheart is actually available on Audible. You can use that as your th- part of your free book in your 30 day trial. Uh, blizzardwatch.com audible. Final thoughts. Do you guys think Anduin will be a good king? Joe?
1: I do. I honestly do. Not just for the king of Stormwind. But I think he'll be a good high king.
0: Rossi?
2: I'm warming up to it. The, the, the Anduin who, who was around for a while, I wasn't as thrilled with, but I like how he's adjusted. I liked the uh, bits we've seen in the cinematic. I like that. He went and he went to, to the, to Renfall. you know, it, it's a, it's a step outside. You, you mentioned that he's shut, he's been sheltered his whole life. It's him saying, you can't shelter me anymore. If I'm going to be King, I have to, you know, I have to endure this. This is, you know, the the whole point, the, being a king is not about me. It's about serving the nation and he, he takes a step to do that. So, and I liked the bit with his father and the, you know, you, you know, what do I do? What a king must do. You know, it's a nice, it's a nice moment. You, you actually get to feel that it's been handed off, you know? I was so, yeah, kind I think of a, a blubbering king.
0: mess through that whole quest chain and cinematic. Um, I had issues with Gen. I thought Gen was being a jerk but it was kind of like a knee-jerk reaction. And that knee-jerk reaction is because it's extraordinary what we've seen with Andwin. Because when we all started playing the game back in Vanilla, as we mentioned, 10-year-old boy king, we didn't know what he would become. And we've actually grown up with him, which I really appreciate. And do I think he's going to be a good king? Probably, yeah. I can't see him not being a good... I think he's prepared. I think he's prepared, more prepared than he realizes. And I think that he's got enough people on his side that... I don't know if he'll be better than Varian. I think he'll be different than Varian. And I think that's probably what the Alliance needs at this point. So, yeah. Thank you guys very much for listening. We will be back in two weeks when we will be talking about The Dark Mirror, that beautiful short story that came out with Nathanos, Collar, and Sylvanas. So if you have any questions or anything regarding that short story or Sylvanas or Nathanos, feel free to shoot those at podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just put Lorewatch in the subject line so we know that it's intended for this show and not the regular podcast. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we will see you in two weeks.